I shouldn't get into that on this, uh, this podcast. <laughs> I don't think this is the time or place. Oh. Time or place for fights. Yes. Big fights this weekend. Yeah, we're going to make the trek up 71 past Columbus and up to Northeast Ohio and Honor Fighting Championship 2. This will be my first time up to Akron since December of 16. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, the the venue is Chaparral's in Akron, which as many events has have been held there. I think I've only been to one show at Chaparral's, really? which is pretty crazy, yeah. That is, I've only been there once, and it was a Dom Steele fight. I'll never forget it. After his fight, he was the uh, main event, so everybody's exiting the building, and he's still around. He has the last fight, so hasn't been paid yet. And these two little kids come up to him. This is before he made it to the UFC, before he made it big. Two kids came up to him, won his autograph. He did the sweetest thing, man. He got down on his knees. He had them pull out a piece of paper and pen. He wrote his name, gave him hugs, gave him a little speech. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's what uh, you always see that at local MMA events. I mean, it, it's always kind of crazy to see the the kids are always lo- you know loving to see the, the fighters and get the autographs. And that's something that, as an adult, sometimes you really take for granted and, and don't think about that a lot. So that that is always pretty cool. Especially, you know, if you see a guy that, you know, was three hours away from his hometown going up into enemy territory and fighting. That's, oh, that's yeah. pretty awesome. Absolutely. So on tonight's podcast, episode number 33, it's just David McKinney and myself, Juan Valley, on tonight's podcast. Joining us was supposed to be Gary. But yeah, we, we, where is Gary? We don't know where he is. He's he, probably Skyping you right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> trying to, he went MIA. Trying to get in on it. But we will... Uh, We'll make fun of him the whole show so that he knows next week he has to be on the show or you get made fun of. Absolutely. That's his fault. For And you know what? I wouldn't be mad if he said, you know, I couldn't do it. I'm busy. I got other things going on. No no big deal. No problem. But the fact was, he said, I'll be there. Flaking out. Yeah. Uh, that sucks. It does. It does. Nothing about that. You know, me and Gary or me and David can handle this show without him. In fact, it's probably going to be the best show yet. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see though. But yeah, the <laughs> set us up a failure tonight, Dave. <laughs> we're actually both going up to Honor this weekend, and just their second show, but already really starting to make some waves in in the state of Ohio um, with fewer promotions, and of course RFO closing up shop, and some of the other promotions not doing as many shows. Some of these newer promotions, like New League Fights, which has a show next weekend, and then. Honor this week and just their second show. I mean, they're already coming out guns a blazing. Isaiah Chapman, one of the top prospects in Ohio in the main event, taking on a really tough guy and out of Pennsylvania and Blaine Shut. So seven and three versus six and two, and it's going to be the first title in the promotion's history, the f- professional flyweight title. Really, really interesting fight uh, between two guys that are probably thinking about, hey, this is an opportunity maybe to show that. I can I can make it to the next level. Isaiah Chapman's already had a kind of taste of that with a World Series of Fighting, and then he's only had two fights since that his fight in, in World Series of Fighting, which was in 2015 or 16, I believe. So hasn't been super active, but this will be his second fight in three months. He headlined Honor FC one as well. So he's he was a guy. I was actually uh, I did a, an article on him, which will come out later this week. Hopefully, it'll be published by the time this 
podcast is up, but he, you know, has always been really one of the best prospects as an amateur. I believe he was like 12 and one, uh, you know, there was always that, but was it going to be him or Cody Garbrandt make it to the UFC? Most people thought they both would. Uh, they never fought as amateurs, even though they both clearly were the two best guys in their weight class. And for some reason, NAAFS always kept them apart and never had, never made that fight. Uh, I, Do you I, think the reason behind that would be that you don't want to set one up for failure? That's, one that's, of them has to lose. That's possible. I mean, it, a lot of times you, you've got two big moneymaker fight, fighters and you don't really want either one to lose. But both of them took losses in, as amateurs. Uh, Isaiah Chapman, I believe, lost to Brett Ewing, I want to say, as an amateur. And then Cody Garbrandt, of course, with that infamous knockout against Jarrell Hodge. It doesn't necessarily hurt in this sport to lose, I think, you know, sometimes promoters are so afraid to have their top guy lose, but more often than not, it's, it's been shown that that doesn't necessarily, I mean, unless they're taking loss after loss after loss, that doesn't always necessarily kill a guy's stock just from one loss, especially if, if fans are not dumb, they know that, Hey, if he lost to a guy, that's really tough. Like look at Dominic Mazzotta lost to Cody Garbrandt, but then came back and that fight made him 10 times better than he was before. And that was his loss and then made it eventually to Bellator. Fans understand that your fighters don't have a loss, you know, get into the higher levels right. of, of the sport. But do you think it hurts them trying to get into the big stage, whether it be Bellator or UFC? I, you know, I believe it was Matt Layshock that said, you know, basically for every loss that you have, you pretty much need five to six wins. So you need, you know, five and zero. Oh. If you're five and zero, oh, you're probably good to go to the UFC. But if you have one loss, you might need ten and one to make your record look really good again. So a lot of fighters, I think, maybe see it as that. And of course, the UFC wants wants good records and and really tough guys. And but that's not always necessarily a hundred percent. You know, I think they're they're also not dumb. They're looking at who you're fighting. Uh, you know the they're looking at just as much who you're fighting as who your gym is, what your record is. It's a piece of the, of the whole pie, but I don't think it's necessarily as important as a lot of people think. I think you can be eight and two or seven and three or nine and four or whatever, and make it to the UFC. It just depends on your name, your camp, who you are, who you fought a lot of different things other than just your record. Absolutely. What I found shocking, not to get away from the honor here, but on the UFC this past weekend, it was the third from final match. Uh, one of the competitors, the guy who ended up losing, uh, his record in his last four fights, he dropped three of them, and yet he was still on the main card of a UFC event. That kind of blew my mind. Granted, all the fights were within the UFC, but right. I figured they would at least put him on the undercard, maybe even the prelims, like fight past prelims or something like that, not on the main card. Well, if you're an exciting, if you're an exciting fighter, you're going to keep getting more and more fights. I mean, you look at a guy like Justin Edwards. I think he got seven fights in the UFC. He was only two and five because Dana White loved his fighting style. And you look at a guy like Dom Steele, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, but Dom Steele had five fights in the UFC, only won one, but he's an exciting fighter, and you know he's going to show up to fight. And he's been, he went over to Cage Warriors and fought, and then now just signed with Fight Nights Global. So if you're an exciting fighter like that, chances are you're going to get more and more opportunities as opposed to if you're just a guy that, you know, you come in and you make... Someone like Ben Askren. Well, not Ben Askren. I don't think is just a guy. But if you're a guy that you come in, you fight on the prelims, you lose twice, and 
nobody ever hears from you again, that's different than if, you know, you're going out there promoting yourself, being an exciting fighter, interesting story, a fighter that fans gravitate toward, you're going to get more opportunities than if you weren't. So I think that's definitely uh, uh, one guy that, you know, I wish would, and probably on this honor card, all three of the guys that are the quote unquote hometown guys, Isaiah Chapman, Josh Roller, and Andrew Law, none of them are trash talkers, but they're all three, both all three great fighters. It's just that you want a little bit more out of them, that marketing background of, Sell yourself as a fighter. Oh, absolutely. Um, Isaiah Chapman, always super, you know, soft-spoken, uh, really respectful, and it's kind of crazy that that actually goes against him sometimes in the <laughs> fight, in, in fights. Of course, he's not necessarily uh, the same once the the cage door shuts, but that it's it's tough to see that that sometimes can can kind of go against you, and sometimes the guys that are making more noise are the guys that are people are really interested in and and no no offense but like a, a tony castillo uh, he you know says a lot and talks a lot and talks a lot of trash but he backs it up and he always ends up in high profile fights you know i'm sure makes a decent amount of money in uh, a guy like mark jericho you know mark jericho was always selling himself always willing to you know go out and say the not 100 percent popular thing and he main evented how many pinnacle cards so would because you say he's a being a huge fan favorite, being the bad boy, the bad type, the heel, so to say, in the wrestling world, is the way to go? To I don't even necessarily think you fights? need to be a heel, but I think you need to be at least be interesting. I don't think that, uh, well, other than early in his career when he was fighting for NWFS and coming out of Pittsburgh and going into Cleveland and and talking trash about Pittsburgh and Cleveland, Mark Cherko, of course, knew that he, you know, he was coming from however far away, and he was the bad guy. And a lot of the times, he joked with me, and he said that, you know. Mark would would say, you know, I sold more tickets than anybody on this card, and half the time it's my fans booing me because I didn't finish a guy, or you know, right. he, he's going on and talking trash to people. But it it sometimes is hard to find s- stories and ways to sell guys that are a little bit quieter. Um, you know, you look at Isaiah Chapman; he's a a little bit different because he hasn't been as active. Of course, he was always the great prospect, um, but then. You know, Josh Roller, he's kind of quietly flown on the radar. Aaron Garrett asked, who's the best 145-pounder in the state? And I think people were shocked that I threw out the name Josh Roller because he's only 3-1 and one at this point. But I think that he has proven that he's probably one of the best featherweights in the state. So do you think it's the quiet people who aren't as loud, whether it be good or bad, heel or, or face, that – don't get the publicity or the attention that they deserve. And so it's kind of going against them since they are quiet in real life. They're not, they're more of a introvert than an extrovert. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think that at the end of the day, probably it's, you know, your, your performance inside the cage is going to do the talking, but then you see a guy like Darren Elkins in the UFC coming out of Indiana uh, has fought on the prelims how many times because he really just doesn't go out and talk, just goes out and does his his job. And but he puts on exciting fights. He He's just now starting to get a little bit more notoriety of, hey, he's a guy that is going to be exciting. He's never out of a fight. But it took him how many fights in the UFC to, to get that reputation. And he was he's always been the same fighter. It's just one really awesome comeback fight and a win. And then all of a sudden now 
he's starting to gain some momentum and, and he's I mean I think he's in the top like six or seven in, in the UFC right now so he's definitely a guy um, there are people that it, it does take them a while but you know I don't, I don't know I and there's always that catch-22 because the people that <laughs> from our standpoint even of covering guys the people that are talking are the ones that are going to get those clicks and the ones that are people are interested in. If you're just going out and winning fights and, you know, showing up and doing your job, sometimes that's not, I don't want to say boring, but sometimes that's boring. Right. No, I get that. Um, going back to Chapman here, he won his, he was at the honor fighting championship one, the, right. the inaugural event won by KO. Well, <laughs> we can talk about this, but it was actually a technical submission. He, choked uh robert walker with an arm triangle and he went to sleep and ohio stupidly calls that a knockout it's technical submission it's not a knockout <laughs> so the only state that i know that calls a technical submission a knockout it's a technical submission there's a difference that there is a difference i i haven't seen the fight is that on youtube yet uh i'm not sure if it is or not but it was definitely a arm triangle <laughs> not a knockout <laughs> <laughs> He uh he was knocked out and Chapman was able to put him into the uh, triangle there. That's, yeah, that's what yeah that's, that's what right. it was. Yeah. Um, prior to that, the two losses. Where do you think the future lies for Chapman, pending he wins this weekend? You know, I think that a win would put him at eight and three. And and again, Blaine Shutt is a really tough guy coming out of Pennsylvania. But a, a win, I think, would put him, you know, back on the radar maybe. And hey, this this guy's back, especially if it's an exciting win. Uh, but the, I think he he needs to come out and show again, maybe get a stoppage if if he does end up winning, because he was at in the early part of his career, even in his first two, three, four fights, was going to decision a lot, and it's yeah, that's okay, but you you want to see guys on the local level being dominant and and finishing guys, just like the uh, I believe this was a Brian Rogers saying, if you should be to prove that you belong on the next level, you need to be dominating guys on the local level and viciously finishing them, whether it be knockout or submission. You shouldn't be, if you want to prove that you're going to the next, you should go to the next level. You shouldn't be going to a decision with too many guys on the local level. True. But then again, that kind of, what do you consider local level? Would you consider like a CFFC or CES to be a local promotion? Or would you consider there's more of a regional, like an in-between? Uh, you know, it, I don't know. I, I think that those are kind of in between. I always used to talk with Luke Jernigan and he would say, you know, Hey, there's just like in baseball, there's levels of MMA, there's single a where that might just be an all amateur event. Then there's double a and triple a, which might be some of the events that do, you know, double a might be some of the pro am events. And then triple a is probably, you know, your CFFCs, your LFAs, your, other bigger promotions that are a CES, uh, your other bigger promotions that are regularly putting guys into the UFC. And then of course the UFC is the major league UFC Bellator is major leagues. I don't really see any other U S promotion right now. That is the major leagues, whatever the pro fighting league or whatever it is. I don't think that's the same level as the no, UFC I don't or think Bellator. So and if you, people are, I don't know, people are crazy if you say that, but uh, you know, the, I don't know. I think that there definitely are levels. Probably most, you know, cards around this area. If it's a pro am, it's most likely a, a double A type of event. I agree know? with that. And I think that if you're in double A 
if you want to prove that you belong in AAA or the major leagues, I mean, some fighters go from AA, some baseball players go from AA to the major leagues and never in AAA. You need to prove that if you're in a a AA type of level on that second level that you can finish guys. If you, I mean, there's some baseball players that never make it past AA, but they're great AA players. Uh, Not to break out the baseball references too much, (laughs) but that just uh, on the level. So if you think about levels like that, you know, I, I think that and Chapman is a guy who went up and, and had a, a cup of coffee. Again, he went to the World Series of Fighting back when it was a little bit more a little bit more of a thing. Right. You know, right when they were just starting to get their footing and doing shows and they had, you know, some names. And he went up there and, and lost. Of course it, it was a decision. Uh, and then we didn't see him for a year. And then or I don't know, it might not it have been less than a year, but then we didn't see him again until he fought Jarrell Hodge. And then he fought and lost to Hodge, even though that was the fight fight of the year for us in that was a damn good 2016. Fight. Yeah. Then we didn't see him again for another year uh, after that year plus, I think. And he came back and finally got the win at, at honor. So well, I think he, he probably needs a couple more fights on the local level, but he needs to go out and prove that he can beat opponents like this if he wants to go to the next level. So after the two losses, uh, the World Series of Fighting and Cage Madness, um, there was a two-year gap in between the two losses. Why do you think – I assumed he stepped away, kind of hung his gloves up, retired, went to the family life. Why did he come back? You know, I think he, he kind of talked a little bit about, you know, hey, it was just with my crazy work schedule and um, that he had to make sure that he was taking care of his family and, and fighting kind of became secondary. I think he got some of that stuff figured out now and finally now. And also, I mean, it's it's a lot easier to walk away and, and take a little bit a little bit of a break after a couple losses and just say, hey, let me go regroup and and re you know rethink things and see if this is where i want to be and of course he ultimately uh, came back and and said you know hey this is something i want to do so you know i I think maybe he needed that little bit of a break he's still only 28 years old he still should be in the prime of his career it's crazy things when i was thinking about him the uh, when i saw the fight was being announced i was thinking very early 30s 32 33 I didn't realize he was only 28 years old. Yeah, but he's been around for yeah forever. Forever, and yeah. He was he was really young though when he was you know winning NWFS amateur titles and things like that. So he's definitely a guy who's been around for a while. But I think you know I think he, it, he if he can get a win this weekend, maybe a couple more fighting for honor, maybe defend the title a couple times, and then we'll see. 125 pounds, which is where he is now, is not a super super deep division. So it's not. If he can prove, hey, you know, I can get a couple more wins, maybe he'll get a shot in, in the UFC. Mighty Mouse, he's calling you. <laughs> yeah, Mighty Mouse. So how do you feel about the promotion giving up their first title to be a professional title? You know, I think that it's that that's one of the interesting things about this promotion. They have come out and said, hey, we're going to do things big. Uh, well, not necessarily gigantic because they're still going to a pretty small venue, um, but they're not putting, I think that the, uh, from what I saw from the first show, the production value is going to be there. They've got Mike Moran, the best producer in the business in terms of doing local shows, uh, a guy who, you know, produces the best streams out there doing the video. And then, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to come on was because I saw that this promotion is investing in doing good shows. I only want to be connected to promotions that are have a goal of let's get bigger, let's continue to get continually get bigger. Because otherwise, it just it, I don't know, it doesn't really. It, it <laughs> it's kind of silly if you're just you know going. Yeah, I feel like sometimes you're wasting your time if you're 
if you're going to to shows that are you know you don't see something building there and something that hey I'm not just trying to put on fights I'm actually trying to put on a show so yeah it it is pretty cool and I, I have you know agreed to do more than just one event for honor and doing commentary and and doing the play by play so pretty excited about that and this one's going to be on Fight TV which I don't think I've ever done a stream or done done commentary on Fight TV so no yeah Fourteen ninety nine, I believe, is the price for the pay per view, which not too bad. I mean, probably you're you're not going to necessarily pay that unless there's a specific fighter that you want to see. But I think they also and and we kind of talked about this about Hard Rock. You want to make it so that people are more likely to come to the show if they want to. If I mean, if they want to see the stream, if that's all that you know, you want, you want to make it so that they they come buy a ticket because that's really the best way to take in MMA. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a it's a great TV product most of the time, but really the best way is to be there live. For the local events, definitely being there live is a much better atmosphere than going to a UFC or Bellator. Yeah. It's not quite the same. Um, but, yes, to kind of touch on, I don't know if you mentioned earlier uh, in the podcast, but you are doing commentary for yeah. Honor Fighting Championships. And you've you, also done uh, commentary for New Fight Leagues. New League or Fights. New, new League Fights. Yep. Um, Outside of Bluegrass MMA, you're doing that, um, and that's when you met. You're part of the team, and you're part of growing with the organization, right? Well, no, I mean, I, I think that I can. It's definitely different than, you know, being on as a part of you know Bluegrass MMA as a separate entity than, you know, doing commentary. Yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. doing Bluegrass MMA and still doing that, and this is separate. Correct. And I'm not. I'm not any part of the promotion other than doing commentary for them, which, I. 100% whenever I do commentary, I try to be impartial. When I get background information on fighters, I talk to both fighters in the fight, not just one, so that I don't... <laughs> I you don't wanna, definitely put a lot of work into this. I don't want to sound like I'm... Yeah, I know most of the local guys more, but I I don't ever want people to, to know that. I'm you know I want to have enough background about both guys so that it, I can call it down the middle. And that's how I always am. Every fight that I've ever done, you know, I don't necessarily... I root for guys in the sense that I root for exciting fights, uh, exciting fighters. And I know that if a specific guy, some guys, I just like their fighting style. Right. doesn't necessarily mean I root for them to win. I, I root for them to to actually to be able to see them fight. And the winning or losing is on them. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not going to change whether <laughs> right. I'm rooting for them or not. Uh, but I'm, I've definitely been accused of, of that before as every single you know, commentator, every single journalist has been approved, you know, of, of being biased. People don't realize how hard commentating is. I've done it several times. I refuse to do it again. <laughs> it's it's a lot of work. And when you're there for three or four hours and a lot of the fighters, you know, are starting out amateurs, you're calling the fights. Yeah. Saying the same thing over and over again. And to me, that kind of got repetitive. And I just felt like the enthusiasm wasn't there for me. And I felt like I was putting on a bad show. Yeah. And it... It's one of those things you can't do it halfway. You, I try to find something unique about every single fighter that I can say unique, because as Gary always says, you know, this might be their grandma or, or grandpa or aunt or uncle. They're the only time they ever see them fight, and we don't want to be, you know, disrespecting them from the standpoint of we're making jokes or whatever, right? Or, you know, not talking about the fight, and and that's I always try to stay on topic, be professional, things like that. I put a lot of work into it. I listen to myself when I do commentary, which is probably one of the hardest things you can do. But I used to be horrible about saying, um, 
taking pauses, doing things like that. And I have made a cognizant effort to get better at that. And that really is the best way. And I always say that one of the reasons that I got better was because I got to work with people who knew what they were doing. One so specific, who, was probably the, who was the biggest influence? Well, in terms of just being able to work with somebody who's professional, Mike Moran, of course, and of course, the, and then the guys at uh, uh, Live Sportscaster, uh, Matt McCarthy and Tim Bryan have been awesome. But then from a commentary standpoint, working with a guy who is a professional who's done other sports, like a, a Ryan Cavanaugh. Yes. He's great. And Ryan was one of the first guys that showed me that you can be flexible enough to do either play-by-play or color commentary, but you should know what you are doing. You should know your role in on the in the broadcast booth no matter what you're doing. Now, how hard is it to do commentary with your broadcast partner who might not be as intelligent about the sport or not necessarily knowing what they're doing on in the booth? Yeah, that's that's probably the most challenging part I think is working with a lot of different partners. You know, it's it takes I would say at a minimum four to five fights to kind of find your groove with somebody, but then people that you've done it with multiple times, like I've worked with Kelly Patrick and the first time or two it was me and that's rough. <laughs> I worked with uh, Ryan and Ryan I don't know if I ever did a show just with Ryan Cavanaugh, but we worked I worked with him and Kyle Rozeski and Kyle is as knowledgeable as it comes in terms of the fighting game. And he did a great job on commentary, but um, didn't have the expertise in terms of doing the play by play. Right. Um, So that was kind of a, an interesting mix, but when with, with us and then a three man booth is always way harder than a two man booth. I can imagine Um, a lot of times one guy gets left out and, and not talking as much and things like that. And, I always have the mindset, more often than not, now I do play-by-play, so you kind of just have to talk and set people up. I always say that I say the what and where, and the color guy says the how and why. Uh, And I explain that to people that might not have as much experience calling shows and things like that, and that's really all you have to think about. You don't necessarily have to say the what and where. That's my job. I'll throw in a little bit of color just because a lot of times I have... I mean, I'm so prepared that <laughs> right. I don't necessarily expect other people to be as prepared as I am. I put way higher standards on myself than I ever would on anybody else. Or, well, I mean, it's evident. In, in or that anybody else could ever put on me. <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, if I'm I'm harder on myself than I think anybody else could be, and that's why I, I take it with a grain of salt when people say, hey, you know, you're biased about this and things like that. And I've had people that have thought I was biased before Charlie Stanford. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and not to call him out, but just it's happened before. And yeah. I will say this and I'll say this time and time again, that I don't care who wins the fight. I try not to be biased at all. And sometimes that's impossible, but you can, I will guarantee you, I promise you every fighter that I will try as hard as I possibly can to be unbiased. And sometimes you may just be seeing something a little bit differently than what, you know, and of course the people that usually say you're biased are the ones that are biased themselves. Or yeah, absolutely. And they're the ones that are on the losing team usually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the funny thing about it is it's saying, you know, you're calling somebody biased, but it's, you're not coming from a, a, you know, an an impartial position either. You're saying, Hey, I'm biased because I'm not talking about your guys. Right. You know, so it, it's a, I don't know, it's, it's sometimes it's kind of silly. Um, but I just try to, again, I try to be as impartial as I possibly can 
Um, but sometimes it's, it's just not a hundred percent feasible all the time, but yeah, it, it is definitely. And like I said, I've done, I think like 50 or 60 shows now. So it's not like I've only done this a couple times and, and people, I again, not to like toot my own horn, but people, You're contact, people contact me and say, Hey, I want, I want you to do, do a commentary for our show. And oh, then that's just me and Gary prank calling you. Okay. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. But it, it I don't know. I feel like people that I respect in the sport have said, "Hey, you're doing a good job and and we'd like to have you back." And that's enough for me. So I'm cool with that. But yeah, definitely I'll be on commentary. You'll be there doing uh tweets and and results and things like that for Bluegrass MMA. Yes. Uh, my first have, time in honor. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I think I've done an Ohio show in a while. I've been doing so many shows in Kentucky. A lot of the hard rock shows last year, I didn't go. I don't think any of us went to a ton of shows, but no, I'm trying to think of my last show. It was an IT fight series, maybe it was Columbus. Yeah, you did. Uh, I think it was like the one at the Express Live. Yeah, Express Live. Yeah. I think it was back in June, if I'm not mistaken. So, Speaking yeah, it's been of a while. IT fight series, you see who announced he's fighting for IT in our what we posted last week. Oh, yeah, we got in trouble, of course, yeah, for posting it, but. If a fighter says, "Hey, I'm fighting this guy," I'm posting it. I don't care what you know. If he's if the fighter says it, then it's out there. It's as good as gold. Yeah, and and all I said was, "Hey, Devonte Smith said he's fighting Justin Edwards," which that's a fantastic fight. That's an awesome of. fight. Justin Edwards, you know, saying, "Hey, you're the young, up and coming guy. I'm going to beat you." Devonte Smith saying, "Hey, this is a uh, seven time UFC vet. I beat this guy. I'm probably in the UFC." This is a huge, huge fight for the local fans. And Aaron was saying, hey, we're trying to find Aaron Garrett, the I guess now the quasi-matchmaker again for IT Fight Series, was saying, hey, we're trying to find a main event for this show since it's the Arnold Sports Festival. And I said, that's your main event right there. That's the fight that people want to see. Even getting that fight signed um, was awesome. I think yeah. I've heard some rumors about some of the other fights that are going to be on that show. And I think that that's a more of a – you don't necessarily need a, a quote-unquote name I think that Justin Edwards is a you know UFC veteran name, but there's going to be tons of guys that people want to see on that card. Oh, absolutely, and he's a staple and in tons Ohio. Of fights. Tons of fights. So hopefully, we'll, I mean, we'll have more information on on a lot of the fights once they start coming out. Hopefully, very soon. But that I know, and that takes place the weekend, March third. Yeah, uh, Arnold the Arnold's. Festival. Are you yeah. going? You going to go up to that show? Uh, yeah. Going to do uh, the amateur show on Friday, and then do that show on Saturday. Most likely, yes. Awesome. And then go to the. Uh, Convention during the day Saturday because right there's because not all of us can go to, to 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 every promotion you know. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to honor uh, that goes down this weekend, you know we talked about the main event, Blaine versus Isaiah, a little bit about Josh and uh, Brandon Webb, but the other main event is Andrew Law and Mickey Marsak. Yeah, how do you feel about that fight? I don't know too much about Mickey. I, I still haven't done. I usually try to watch some video on guys, especially when you know they have a decent number of fights like he does. But I know that Andrew Law. Uh, I talked to him and did a, an article on. It's up on BluegrassMMA.com, and this is his his longest layoff in his pro career, and it was due to uh, he had a fractured form or something in between his something in that attaches to his skull or something crazy. It, it, he talked about it in uh, in the article, but he suffered an illegal knee in his last fight against Scott Hudson and Scott lost via disqualification. And Andrew talked about, you know, hey, I, it took me a while for that to heal. 
and then he had a concussion that went along with it. And then he finally was able to start training again and then had a hamstring injury. <laughs> and now is finally 14 months later coming back. And I think that kind of is tough for him because before that Scott Hudson fight, he had a ton of momentum, four straight wins, was getting a, a really tough opponent, not necessarily a big name, but a really tough opponent to say, hey, this is a tough guy that I'm going to fight. And now it will be interesting to see if I don't think that he's the type of guy that's going to be gun shy in a fight, but you take a nasty illegal knee like that, that keeps you out for 14 months. That's it's hard to come back from. Oh that. yeah. You have second you thoughts. Are. Yeah. Yeah. That, I didn't, I didn't know about that as rough. Do you think that long layoff is going to give him any type of a cage rest? You know, I, that remains to be seen. Typically what I've seen with, with fighters is pros. It doesn't, it doesn't really make a difference. Uh, you know, once you're in there, once a minute, once you get hit once, it's, hey, I'm in a fight. And a lot of guys have that instinct of, hey, I'm in a fight. And I think that that's what will happen. I think that ring rust is, is kind of a an excuse a lot of times of a thing that, not that it doesn't, not that it, it's not possible to have, but that if you're not training right, yeah, of course you can have ring rust. You can gas out early, things like that. But I don't anticipate that he's going to have uh, that sort of performance. But this is a big... I think fork in the road in his career. He technically has five straight wins, nine nine and four overall. I'm looking at some of his losses. He's had some his losses were against tough competitors. They weren't slouches. You got Rob White, who was in Bellator. Yep. Uh Cameron Van Camp, who's now the champion in several promotions. Ian Romel. Yep. Strike force veteran. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and he's on his five fight win streak, has wins over Tim McCavitt, another Ohio guy there. Yeah, we Sean Fallon, show. Brandon Suber. Yeah. He's had some tough wins. Yeah, I mean, he kind of just turned things around and and after that he had three straight losses and then turned things around and said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to continue to fight tough guys, but I'm going to make sure that I go out and, and get the wins." And I think that there's another older older article on Bluegrass that he kind of talked about he changed his mindset of I'm not necessarily fighting, I'm trying to get to the UFC anymore. I'm trying to fight to just because I love fighting. And I think he changed that mindset of, Hey, I just love fighting. I love going out there and he's just preparing for one fight at a time. And I think really there was a, a true mindset change for him. So check out that article too. Uh, we always love when people read some of our older stuff, but that was a, you know, a couple of years ago and, and me going through and doing some of the research and, and reminding myself of when he talked about that. But yeah, he, I, I think that that's a, uh, was a big change in his career and, and that was part of the catalyst to start that that big winning streak and got another tough guy uh marsak has three wins all via submission so uh right comes out of michigan yeah three fight winning streak so hopefully i'll 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 watch some tape on him and have some uh, you know plenty of background info um the guy that and we talked about just briefly josh josh roller he's another guy lost his pro debut to mark mcdonald but then has reeled off three straight wins and and i think one of the best 145 pounders in the state right now. So great card for honor FC two this weekend, Akron, Ohio. Again, it's, if you can't make it up to Akron, stream it on fight TV, I'll be doing commentary. You'll probably see one cage side. The cool thing about storm. fight TV also is not only can you watch it on any uh, browser, but they also have a app for your mobile device. They have a TV app too, like a Roku or something. Um, I mean, if they got an app for the phone, I would imagine they got one for Roku, but Chromecast, um, they they kind of came out of nowhere. I feel like yeah, we uh, you know they uh, ACB who Adam Townsend has fought for 
shows their events on there. And I believe ACB is actually free streaming for, I don't know if it's all their shows, but definitely some of their shows. And Saturday before the honor, they have an ACB, I think 79, uh, with some pretty big names, Efren Escudero and, and some names on there. They're, um, so I think that's at like noon Eastern, and then you can watch Honor starting at 7. I watched uh, one of Adam's fights over there, and I'm pretty sure it is free because we had to go to some weird Chinese website to get it. <laughs> but it was well, like you can go it was fight. their YouTube version of it. Oh, uh, okay. Not you can like go to illegal. Straight to Fight TV, though, and, and watch it. Yes, yeah, now you can. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how long that's been on there. Again, I, I've been horrible about keeping up with who's streaming where and there's so many i mean of course we have a great relationship with flow combat and of course now uh the b2 fighting series events most of them are streamed either for free or definitely streamed at some point except hard rock 96 yes you gotta be there you gotta be there for that one we'll have video but i'm not sure how uh, that probably will never see the light of day Maybe. So, we're, so so kelly and i are just gonna talk trash the whole show oh yeah you are doing commentary for that one yeah uh, yeah, maybe we should find out when that video is getting released. I don't know. That's going to be your turn to drive, though, I think, down to Shepherdsville. So uh, I can do that. Got to get in the truck, and, and I'm going to sit in the back. I might drive my car. <laughs> the I just want to put the miles on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to get sidetracked here, but you brought up when you uh, were talking about uh, Andrew Law there, an article that was on the website. Which, by the way, if you want to find that, just go to bluegrass, bluegrassmma.com, and in the top right section, there's a search bar. Type in Andrew Law, and you can find all the articles on him. But when you're doing your research for articles that you're writing, yep. Since we've been doing this for now seven years, we got you know a vast history of articles on you know so many fighters. Do you ever go back and search the website to see what you can find previously? Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the reasons why we have that beautiful thing. Uh, the tags, which is awesome. Yes. We can find every article we've ever written about a specific fighter. Uh, so that always helps. Definitely. I was actually just looking at some stuff with, uh, Josh roller. I think he was in his last amateur fight. Uh, was, we wrote a feature. I wrote a feature on him in a couple years ago and just hey, interesting. It's seeing not some an I, of, it's a we. Okay. <laughs> it was just interesting seeing some of the things that he said back then versus what he's saying now as a, as a pro in his fifth fight. And, some of the stuff I talked about with, actually, I referenced something in the uh, Isaiah Chapman article uh, that comes out on Thursday, whichever day. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this podcast, but it'll be out Thursday morning. I referenced something from what Isaiah said before his last fight. So, yeah, I definitely go back and, and do that. I mean, that's one of the great things about having a archive of how many ever years we've been doing this. Wait, so <laughs> did you, when you look, went back and looked at the old Isaiah quote, did you requote a quote from an previous well, article? I, I, I just said that he said something at the time before his last fight. But I, I mentioned that that's when he said it. And that, it's not funny. a new quote. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that, and one of the things that I'm, I don't know if we still even have that information out there, but from OHMMA, when I started, I, I would have loved to have some of that content of what we had back then, but I don't think that, I know we, it was, you know, via the same, same format, but I don't know. It's, I mean, I wonder why we didn't years, import so. your content. I don't know. Uh, I wish it would have been imported though. Cause that would have been awesome to even yeah. go back and search for another year. And then, of course, some of the stuff that I had from uh, from Gateway that I never got paid for. So you didn't by chance. <laughs> I don't um, think is Gateway MMA still up. Oh man, yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> um, you didn't by chance back up the database when you um, 
I don't get think rid so. Of, ah, man. Yeah, I don't I know why sold, we didn't do I that. I sold the company, and then that's that's your job. <laughs> do all that fun stuff. Yeah, I failed on that end. My bad. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, not to transition away from Honor Fighting Championship, but we also got big news coming from the tri-state area and local fighter Dom T. Steele. Yeah. Signing a four-fight contract. That's awesome. I mean, again, I was looking up after I saw it, and Fight Nights Global... I thought they were streaming on Fight Pass, and I think they used to, but I don't think they are anymore. So we'll have to figure out how we can watch that fight because he fights, I think, February 22nd in Russia. Fights a guy that I can't pronounce his name, yeah. but he's like 19 and 5. Nikolay. Just fought uh, Michael Graves, who was on The Ultimate Fighter. Michael Graves actually originally from Ohio, too, from Northwest Ohio, uh, not to get sidetracked from stealing your line. But <laughs> he... Uh, a guy, I think he's won like eight of his last ten fights, and and Dom Steele coming in on two fight win streak, beat uh, Portland Pringle, and then beat Carl Amasu over in Belgium. So Dom's continuing to be a uh, world traveler. He is going to. I mean, I guess he's not bothered by <laughs> going all halfway around the world to fight. He fought in China, Russia, Belgium, South Korea, uh, South Korea. Now I, I think he fought in Australia too. Did um, I say Australia? You didn't, but I think you did. Yeah, that was his last UFC fight. He fought in Australia. Um, if I was a fighter, especially if I hadn't made it to the UFC or if I'm not at the UFC level, I would love to be able to travel overseas to fight. Now, I've never done it, so I don't know what kind of toll it takes on the body if they, at the end of the day, like that. But just to be able to experience a new culture, new Yeah, I, new think you have to go, I think you have to go at least, you know, you can't go two days before the fight. I think you got to maybe try to spend a week there or something just so that your body gets used to the time zone change and the you're not jet lagged and things like that. But yeah, that would be an awesome opportunity. But the issue with that is a lot of times the promotions don't want to pay unless you have, have a name, but right. There are some in like one FC is, has taken a few American fighters. I know fight nights, global M one challenge in Russia. Some of the Korean promotions have, so that is always really cool. Um, yeah, definitely excited to see, Dom Steele, that four-fight contract, and then maybe get four wins and see him back in the UFC. Now, somebody at his level, he's had four fights. In, or um, Was it four fights or five fights? Five, yeah. yeah five fights in the UFC. In UFC. He's been on the big stage. He's been in the big show. Now he's back onto the regional, traveling across the world. Do you think, if you were in his shoes, do you think you'd have aspirations to get back to the UFC? I, think, I mean, I, I don't see why he would still be fighting, but I think he... In the meantime, is saying, "Hey, I, I'm willing to go and and fight in Russia and make some probably pretty good money, uh, you know, as a as a guy coming in to quote unquote probably lose. I mean, but if he goes in and wins, that's a that's a huge mark in his cap and gets the opportunity. And and a guy like uh, you know Adam Townsend fought in Russia and and all over the place and fought for ACB and things like that. So." I think the aspiration is still there. You, you, of course, you. I mean, I think every fighter, from uh, pretty much every fighter from amateur one and zero up to guys on the cusp, want to be in the UFC. So, now I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I can't recall anybody at the moment, but can you think of a fighter that has fought in the UFC, been released, and or maybe not even fought in the UFC, but an American-based fighter? That has had fights overseas, and then make it to the UFC. Um, because I feel like recently all the new up and comers 
are U.S. only based fighters. Yeah, well, the the other thing is the UFC is not really signing a ton of super established fighters at this point. They're trying to sign young guys. I mean, that's why they did Dana White's Contender Series. That's why they're yeah, doing absolutely. the this year the undefeated battle, of the undefeated Ultimate Fighter. They're trying to sign guys that are as young as possible so they get them early in their career. You know the the guys like uh you know Ben Saunders he fought really fought in Bellator I don't think he fought overseas I I would have I would have to think about that I'm sure there's probably some guys uh, some I mean, good examples I imagine there's got to be somebody but I just couldn't think of anybody I thought that was kind of weird Yeah uh, I don't know because it's kind of like that. trying to um you know relate it to other sports it's somebody like an a basketball player who didn't make it to the NBA yet, and then that goes overseas, plays in the European leagues. Well, there's a couple guys that, because of the, you know, you can't go straight from high school to the NBA anymore. Right. So they've gone and played in overseas somewhere, like Emmanuel Moutier is a good example, Brandon Jennings. There have been a couple of Americans that have gone, like, from high school to overseas and then try to go to the NBA, like uh, uh, the ball ball kids are going to try to do. <laughs> They're going to be, to my knowledge, and I'm not a huge you know, basketball fan. In Lithuania. But they're probably going to be the biggest names to go over to Europe and then come back and play stateside. I mean, if the, so the, the biggest thing that a lot of people are saying, of course, Lonzo Ball was the second pick in the draft, and he was the probably the star of the family. And then, uh, I, don't, I forget their names, Lee Lamello. I think is the second oldest, and people were saying that he was not likely an NBA, probably not an NBA player. And then Leangelo, who's the youngest brother, who's like 16 right now, who his dad pulled out of high school to go to yeah. Europe. They're saying he has an opportunity. He was, I think he was a little undersized for NBA, but I think they were saying if he gets, you know, to be 6'2 or something, he might be a point guard. So the middle brother, the, the next one, they, people are saying probably not an NBA player. And especially with all the headaches that come along with having your dad. No, there's no headaches with him. <laughs> having your not dad. at all. Uh, but this is not a, a, a basketball podcast. No, it's not. Not in the least. No. But, hey, you know, we can talk about any any topic, That's any subject we want. What know? else is going on? I know that uh, we talked about Devontae Smith. We talked about uh, uh, Nathan Manis is going up to Canada and fighting for TKO. And I actually updated that. I, I had the article and then... I said he's who he's fighting, and then um, actually found out he actually signed a three-fight contract with TKO. And TKO definitely is on Fight Pass, so you will be able to watch Nathan Manis on Fight Pass. Don't have to make the trek up to Canada to see him fight, but he's a guy, I think he was 10-0 as an amateur, now 8-0 as a pro, has jumped up weight classes to get fights and things like that, and finally getting an opportunity to maybe take that he's maybe in that triple a level now of hey now he's in a regional promotion going up to canada and fighting gets you know even maybe goes two and one in those three fights probably gets an opportunity to fight in the ufc as long as that one doesn't come at the tail end of the that's three. true yeah but i mean he get he gets to fight uh i mean he wins his next fight and the guy he actually is fighting in in the end of february is fighting actually this weekend at acb Oh, really? Xavier, LOI or something. He's from TriStar, TriStar Gym. So you can check him out on Fight TV before you watch Honor and see scout some Nathan Manis next opponent. That's interesting. And then the winner of Nathan Manis and Xavier LOI or however you say his name is going to fight 
uh, their champion, the 135 champion for TKO in April. So, so this is a big move for uh, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, there had, he hadn't really been making a, a ton of noise recently local. I mean, uh, he fought uh, Mark McDonald for Premier. I believe that was in like May, and he took that fight on really short notice too. So uh, he's a guy that, even though he was, you know, remained undefeated, took some interesting steps in his career and taking short notice fights and, and not necessarily cherry picking, although I know that there's been some people that have called him out for, <laughs> for cherry picking. So it's interesting. I don't know. I, I hopefully, he, I mean, he's definitely taken a step up in his career at this point. And Absolutely. I loved how uh, James Lynch tweeted, um, Joseph Manis, Joe. Yeah. When he goes by Nathan <laughs> and it's that Kentucky thing that you go on where well, it seems like a lot of Kentucky fighters go by their middle name. Well, and, and fighters in other States do too, but in Kentucky, they have it listed in the database by whatever's on your driver's license. So right. your official, your quote unquote, unquote government name. So fighters sometimes are listed in the database as a different name. Like for example, Cody Stevens, I don't remember his first name, but it's not Cody. But Ohio <gasps> listed him. What? Yeah, see, secrets of the trade. But uh, Ohio <laughs> listed him as trade. Cody Stevens because that's what he goes by. And if people are looking for Cody Stevens, they're not going to search whatever his first name is. They're going to look. They're going to search for Cody Stevens. So I wish I, the I database to to Todd Neal about that was more robust than what it is. They well, should have. Uh, one of the things people don't realize is there is a uh, alias thing in there, and it'll show up as the alias. So if you say. Yeah, you can put him in officially as Joseph Manis, but the alias he also goes as Nathan Manis. You can put that in there. I just think that K- Kentucky doesn't use that. Mm. That uh, interesting. That uh, that that field. Um, but he he's he, he is what uh, I don't know. We've had a lot of news in the last week. Ohio. We talked a little bit about it on the last podcast the Ohio new rules that are going into effect. Yes, we did talk about those. And the big thing that came out of that was the uh, nine fights that are now being required to turn professional. Now, of course, that will be taken on a case-by-case scenario. Who you who you have fought, who you are, what gym you're out of will all play factors into that, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, that's nine fights as amateur. It's, yeah. It used to be like back in the day when we first started on this, I feel like almost every amateur had at least 10 fights, so no big deal. But nowadays, you know, four, five, six fights, That's they're ready lot, to turn pro. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, I mean, that we talked a little bit about that last week, and I could maybe even say bumping it up to seven, but nine is a, is a lot. Especially if you're going 5-0, and oh, you're probably ready to go pro. Right. Um, and depending on who the opponents are, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. It's just kind of silly. I wonder what the boxing rules are for Ohio. Is it nine amateurs? So boxing, Ohio doesn't regulate amateur boxing, and most most, most states, states don't. don't no. But it's it's USA boxing, right? Uh, but I don't know what the what the the rules are. Like I know that there have been people like, for example, Travis Davis, who was a pro MMA fighter, and I don't think he ever had any amateur boxing matches. But then took three fights as a pro. And, yeah, but once you go boxing. pro in, in any combat sport, you're right. pro, right? But I, I I don't know what the rule is. I don't know if there's a set number right um maybe they require you to prove that you have some sort of amateur background but then also like Kyle went pro without there's a lot of guys that that have you know once you get your pro in one sport you have to be pro in another sport right. but i don't know it, i don't know what the rules are why don't you ask bernie <laughs> 
I would, but um, there have been a couple other things um, in the past week. Uh, Alliance uh, promotions, CFFC and V3 fights signed on for Flow Combat, which is pretty cool. Both of those promotions, and I think we calculated. What did we say that the, they did seventeen events last year or something? Seventeen for one, sixteen for the other. So it comes out to be well. No, no, they no. See, uh, V three did. I put it in the article. Let me pull it up here. How many fights? How many? How many fights was it for deal? Was it thirty eight? Uh, CFFC did hosted seven events in twenty seventeen. V3 hosted 10 events in 2017. So 17 total combined. And I think that 26, 26 is a number months. combined for yeah. per year in a multi-year deal. So those promotions are going to be doing a lot more. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, uh, they... Two of the, the more respected promotions. I know CFFC has even been on, like, CB, CBS Sports and things in the past. Right. Um, but never really had consistently had one way that they were streaming their events, and, and V3 was kind of the same. I like this. I like it a lot. Flow Combat is an awesome platform. I'm I'm hoping this is just the beginning for Alliance. I hope the rest of the uh, promotions that they currently own get onto the uh, Flow Combat Yeah, I mean, it would well. be cool to see every promotion that Alliance has on Flow Combat. So, And it's kind of interesting, just from an outsider standpoint, to see... You know, that my assumption was that the whole reason for forming the alliance was that you get more, instead of one small promotion, instead of just IT Fight Series out of Ohio or just V3 or just CFFC, you get the benefits of being part of this big conglomerate. And it still seems like they're operating as an independent entity sometimes. Um they're still new to the... Uh, I think that this. it would make more sense to say, hey, we want a streaming platform for all Alliance events. And if you want to brand something as Alliance MMA, then you should have every event available. That's just me. I don't know. Um, Maybe they are working towards that in the, in the background. And they, they could be. Um, but I'm just saying from an outsider standpoint, it's it's interesting to see that different promotions seem to be getting treated different ways, at least under the IT banner. I don't know. I may be stepping out of line saying that, but of course, you know, they also have Hoosier Fight Club in Indiana, IT Fight Series in Ohio. Which they have an event coming up, Hoosier Fight Club. Yeah, and on February 3rd, I think. Um, and they, Hoosier, I thought, had a deal with a, like a local TV station in Chicago. They do, which that could be part of the reason why they're not on the Flow Combat just yet. Yeah. But the other promotions, it's I don't think I mean IT Fight Series definitely doesn't have a TV deal. Shogun fights in Baltimore doesn't. Some of their other promotions don't. So it's just it's just interesting. I don't know. That was like I said. I thought that the whole point of having alliance was that it's an alliance and we are a team. So if you want part of alliance, you get all of alliance. And it seems like they might be tra- changing up their philosophy. I don't even know if that was their philosophy to begin with, but that's true. Just, it's just interesting to me. Um, but there's that. Uh, there was something else I wanted to ask you about, too. Um, yes, this is true, guys. This is the first time that we've done a podcast. It's We're now 8 o'clock on a Wednesday. I think this is the latest we've ever recorded a podcast in person. David oh. sitting across from me. We've done it before on Skype. <laughs> Valor Fights announcing their early 2018 schedule. Of course, Border Wars coming up in February. 
17th in Kentucky. You missed that last, the, the first Board of Wars. Yeah. That venue down in Corbin, Kentucky was amazing. So, it was uh, like, it was a mini I arena. this one, too. <laughs> oh, man, you're missing out. It the, was a good time. Uh, but that event, of course, coming up in Kentucky. Then they've got Valor Fights 49 in March, end of March in Nashville. Then they've got an amateur show in April. And so then, are they branding all their they're all amateur shows now? Uh, what is it? Fight at the Shed or Well, I think the that shed? they, not all of them. They, they've done a couple of kind of one-off. I, I think that these are, those are kind of their smaller shows, but they're, I don't think that they're branding them that. I think that they just do, it's like a, a big barbecue place, I think. Um, and they just do a big, they have a big venue there and do it there. So every time they have one of those events, it reminds me of the old school Pride days when Pride had the uh, Bushida yeah. events. <laughs> that's what that reminds me of. That, yeah, that, that's definitely uh, interesting. And the, of course, back in the day, NWFS had all these different series. And I never knew, I was always confused as to what was what. They had the Midwest Combat Challenge series, oh, and yeah. Cage Fury, and then. Uh, they had so many. It was so confusing. Like you just call it NWFS, whatever one, two, three. It's right. so confusing. Very confusing. Um, but then the the big news I think that came out of the the announcement today was they're going to make their debut in Virginia. That is huge. In May. So, and I think that in commenting, uh, one of the fights was already uh, spoiled on the the comments of when Tim Loy posted it that Ben Rowland said he's fighting Chandler Cole in May. So. Uh, yeah, I, and I assume that would be for the Valor heavyweight title. I know that Chandler Cole is the number one contender, so I don't know if that was just Ben Rowland saying, "Hey, I want that fight," or if that fight's actually going to happen. Interesting. Um, but that's big. I mean, they they went down to um, Georgia last year, of course, Kentucky as last well. Year, yeah. And both of those events, they they teamed up with local promotions and and Kentucky I love they teamed that. up with Warrior. Uh, Georgia, they teamed up with Conflict. MMA and in Virginia, it seems like it's just going to be a Valor show. It's in uh, Wise, Virginia. And I looked at the venue. It's like a big convocation center on the UVA Wise campus. It looks like a really cool venue, too. So that may be a, a road trip or something in order. We got to figure out where we're going to go to because uh, we didn't do a, a bluegrass we did MMA it. road trip last year. We got to find somewhere with good craft beer to go. We can just buy it, put it in a cooler, and take it with us. That's well, no, can't. It's not the same if we don't go to a brewery. That's true, but also we can't drink it on the road. It's illegal in well, most states. Two of us can. The other one has to drive. That's true. <laughs> you gotta drive. Um, we didn't go anywhere. Where when you and Gary went to Knoxville? Was that last year? Or was twenty sixteen? Yeah, December of twenty sixteen. We went to Knoxville on Friday for a Valor show, and then Saturday we went to Somerset to uh warrior fc show i think we need to find a weekend like that again a friday, friday night and show saturday. on saturday yeah or that might be hard given we'll figure it out are you getting married this year or next year next year all right April i just 29 i remember seeing that i'm gonna write it on your wall <laughs> <laughs> just give me the uh save the date i got good old aaron garrett hanging not, up we're not that far yet <laughs> 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 we just got the venue locked in so Danji says I do. Yeah, hashtag. Use, yeah. use it on uh, all your social medias. Speaking of which, follow us on all the social networks. Everything at Bluegrass MMA. That was a shameless plug right there. Especially Instagram. We need more Instagram followers. I we do. guess we're wrapping up, right? No. 
<laughs> oh, she went I to, need to go to bed. You don't need to go to bed. It's eight thirty. It's my bedtime. No, I'm actually. I'm really. I'm mostly just hungry. But uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. I haven't eaten dinner yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think we missed Gary. We might have to pipe in Gary or something for for this. But we definitely. It's cool, you know, continuing to do the podcast and and keeping it going. I think our. I think we need to do it at least every other week this year. Get uh, maybe yeah. twenty six in. This would be number two. We got two for January. Do two a month. Boom. Yeah, it'd be nice if we could do if we do every other one in person like we're doing right now. Yeah. And then like the every other other weeks. Yeah. We can do Skype. Maybe we can go down to uh the Bluegrass State, venture okay. down to Gary and then have him come up every other month or something. We need a studio. That'd be nice. Yeah, let's buy a studio. And then we don't have to buy one. We just like rent Greg. one. Talking to you. <laughs> Why is the studio? Um, that would be nice if, like, when there's you got um, a studio set up here. It is true, I do, but it's a hard drive for Gary. Yeah, Figure somewhere, kind of. We can go down. We can, we'll, we'll find something halfway. There's not really anything in between here in Lexington. There's really not. <laughs> so maybe fields. just uh, maybe once a month we can make our way down to uh, to that area. We'll buy a generator and just go to a random cornfield. Yeah, and broadcast that's live. A good idea. We'll do yeah. that in January. Maybe not January. Maybe warmer months. Yeah. But speaking yeah. of uh, social media, I'm at MMA McKinney. I also have a website. If you like craft beer, MMAMcKinney.com. I saw your post the other day. Is there anyone that's interested in MMA and uh, craft beer? And craft beer, yeah. Did, I didn't go back to see if there's any responses. Did you get any responses? I got a few. I'm, just, I'm trying to decide. Uh, I think I might keep, um, keep the uh, two entities separate for now because um, I... I do some blogging about beer as well, craft beer, mostly Cincinnati, but I also, when I travel, I'll do uh throw up about, you know, usually that's what I do for fun when I travel is go to breweries. How's that going, by the way? What do you mean? Your blog. Good. Yeah, I, I think I talked to, to you. Uh, I need to figure out how to move it from blogger to WordPress. I like WordPress a lot better. It is so a lot better. Got to figure you? that out. That's my goal to figure that out in the next couple weeks or months or however long it takes me. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your goal with it? I uh, it just I, it's just doing it for fun. Um, I don't really have any goal with 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 it. I just like blogging about beer, drinking beer. So are you looking to be the craft beer connoisseur of the greater tri-state area? No, I mean there's a couple guys that actually already blog about beer in in Cincinnati and a couple podcasts too about just specifically Cincinnati beer. So. I mean, I like going to Cincinnati breweries and, and things like that. And of course, I love Cincinnati breweries. But the one thing that I kind of decided to do was brand a little bit differently with, you know, when I, I lo- am lucky enough to travel for work. So when I do travel for work, I go to breweries and I do what's called brewery adventures. So I do, I've done like, of course, brewery adventures, Cincinnati, uh, brewery adventures, Columbus, Dayton, Richmond, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, there's a couple other ones up there. So um, that's one of the things that I've been doing for, you know, kind of branding and doing something a little bit different and saying, hey, and not necessarily going to every brewery in a city, but trying to hit, you know, the top two or three of the highlights of an area. So, but you've hit everyone here, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there we were caught up and then all of a sudden, you know, we take a break from going to new ones and three new ones open. So uh, we, we've got... Uh, Rolling Mill up in Middletown, uh, which we, I, I guess, technically consider Middletown to be part of Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, there's one that's opening in Fairfield, actually, this weekend. Uh, Swine Is that City. that girl's uh, cousin 
No, that's or, that's Humble Monk, which okay. is going to be in Northside, which they're they'll probably open sometime this spring. I mean, they're pretty close to opening too. And then um, there's a brewery in Oxford called Quarter Barrel, but they just opened up a second location in Hamilton. So hmm. I may have to go on a weekend or something and go to uh, Fairfield and Hamilton. So out of, I know last I heard, there's like 50 plus breweries. Yeah, I mean, it, people, different people give you different numbers because some people consider, you know, like, for example, Taft's. It has two locations now. Do you consider that to be two breweries or one brewery? Just one. 50 West has two locations. Is that one or two? So I think there's 42 or 43 if you don't include duplicates. And that's if you include if you go all the way to Middletown. So of those 42, 43, what's the number one? My, I'm a huge fan of Listerman uh, up in Norwood. They okay. consistently put out amazing beer. They're known for dark beers. Uh, they have a beer called Chacao. Which is a uh, uh, hazelnut uh, stout, and then they also have a beer that has won tons of awards called Nutcase, which is a peanut butter porter. But then in the past year and a half, they've been putting out New England style IPAs, which is like a hazy IPA, not as not as hop forward, has a little bit more of a juicy flavor, less of a more of like a smooth mouthfeel. Um, so no, let me it's, not as, it's not as much of a hit on the hops, but they've been doing a ton of um, New England IPAs, and they do when they do their releases. But they they became famous, of course, for um, the Fiona the Hippo beer, Team Fiona beer that they've been putting. Yesterday out, was so. her birthday. Yeah, or was it today? Happy What's today's birthday? date? I don't know. Yeah, Either today's her birthday. Happy birthday, January twenty fourth. Um, I'm not a craft beer drinker at all. But you did drink some at my engagement party, and you didn't like any of them. No, I liked one and five, whatever, which, whichever ones those were. All right. Um, I'll have to remember. <laughs> three I had on this flight, my first ever flight, by the way, <laughs> was, it reminded me of the candy, the Sour Warheads. Yeah, you had a Urban Artifact um, a Pocket Watch. That was disgusting. It wasn't disgusting. <laughs> I can drink it, maybe one at the absolute tops. How it's you, funny because so that that's a uh, urban artifact, which is in Northside, is a different different type of brewery, and it is beer, but it's it's sour beer, and it's not necessarily what you would typically think as beer. It's sour, and it's they play around with like the yeast and things like that to make it sour. And why um, do people buy it? It's just different. People, I mean, people like the sour beers, and they also put a ton of fruit in their beers. Yeah, it definitely uh, did not taste like beer at all. Yeah, so that I used to be completely against. Urban artifact. I thought they were too weird and things like that, but um, I don't necessarily think of them as. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say like a tradi- like a traditional beer because that sour is not a traditional beer. I think of them almost as like a fizzy alcoholic Kool Aid or juice or whatever. Um, but you know, once you, I think you have to have a different. If your brain is saying this is going to be a beer and tastes like a Bud Light, it's not going to be that. And that's what turns a lot of people off to sour beers. And they actually have their own. They've, they've, it's basically the, their style that they created called a Midwest fruit tart. So it's a tart ale and you get that tartness, but it's backed by tons of fruit flavor, which is their big thing that they do is they put tons of fruit in all of their beers. So it's different as opposed to just a, a, your typical sour beer. So like the last five, 10 minutes we've been talking about craft beer here. Yeah. Like, your attention and your attentiveness 
has completely changed, like a 180. To what? Like, you're all in it. Like, you want to talk for hours right now. Oh, like, well. Just tell. Like, th- like, this is you. Craft beer is your life. No, I mean, I in the I think the biggest thing with it is I've been doing MMA for, you know, since I've been started blogging about MMA when I was in high school, which is over which a was like four ago. years ago, right? Yeah, four yeah. years ago. <laughs> but craft beer is just something different. It's, it's, I found a, you know, I really like drinking craft beer and I like learning about it and things like that. And it's different than MMA in terms of there's, it's just a little bit different. I mean, the, it, it is a kind of a cool community. Um, a I'll give you that. It MMA. is. But it's, it's, not cool in terms of yeah I'm cool. But it's cool in terms of don't lie a, you, don't don't <laughs> lie about your hipster ways. Yeah, yeah I try to be cool, but that I mean, it's just different and it's just something that I've slowly started to. I'm not, I never I randomly so the the way that I started blogging about beer was my fiance Angie and I started last winter. We were like well, it's cold as hell. What are we gonna do all winter? And we were like hey we both like going to brew. We both been to a couple breweries together. So he said, let's just go all the ones in Cincinnati. And we were like, oh, yeah, we'll be able to finish it in the winter. And there's a lot <laughs> in Cincinnati. So we finally finished it last summer. And the issue, again, with it is as we were doing it, more and more breweries right. kept opening. And the longer it took us, the more breweries opened. So we finally got caught completely up last summer. And then now we've just been consistently going to all the new ones that open up. But we still have our favorites that we go to. Um, but the thing I thought I was like, you know, Hey, if I'm going to do this, I might as well write about it because even just for me, if I want to go back and read, you know, what our thoughts about it were two or three or four, five years later, um, and see how our thoughts have changed and things like that. that, It was mostly just for me to start writing about it. And it's kind of slowly evolved into, Hey, let me, let me take this a little bit more seriously, but it's not really anything again that I'm, I don't take it as serious as like a, Bluegrass MMA. Bluegrass MMA sometimes almost feels like a job and like a good job there, right? Good job. But you know, it it's definitely not job. it's not our job for any of us, but um it's just something that feels like, hey, I have to do not not have to do this, but it's it's become more of a of a job based job closer to a job than a hobby. Right. Um the beer thing has really just been it's I do it when I want to do it. I don't feel like, man, we got to keep our, I got to keep my hits up on my blog and make sure I get tons of content out and things like that. It's just been whenever I feel like writing, I write. And when I don't, I don't. So, right. um, yeah, that's what it is. But we've been to a bunch of breweries and I've been trying to do more stuff like I doing stuff on like Instagram and things like that and taking more pictures when we go to breweries and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so I've noticed that. Um, been trying to, again, keep, keep up with that a little bit more um but yeah that's mmamckinney.com twitter is mmamckinney instagram is mmamckinney facebook is david mckinney well before we get off here i have to ask a very important question that all of our listeners want to know yeah about craft beer somebody who's not a craft beer drinker that's more of a bud light drinker how do you justify spending two three times the amount of a bud light on craft beer I justify it by a. I don't drink as much craft beer as I would Bud Light, so I say okay. If I probably drink, I have to drink twice as many Bud Lights to not not that I'm trying to get drunk, but it just to get the same you know feeling out of it, and it's just it, it tastes a lot better. 
I still drink Bud Light every once in a while when the mood strikes. If I'm at a tailgate, <laughs> I'm not. If I'm at a tailgate, I'm not going out and and hey, I have to I have to drink craft beer, you know, because a you're gonna get wasted really fast if you're drinking you know seven eight percent beers. Um, but if I'm you know again if I'm trying to tailgate, I'm, I'm I might have like one decent beer and then like all right, I'm gonna switch to Bud Light. The eight ounce so there's change, a, right? Yeah, <laughs> just like you. <laughs> but there's a time and a place um, to, I feel like, have Bud Light. And there's a time and a place. I guess I, a lot of times when I go out, I'll get flights like what you had mm-hmm. and try, because I, I like to try things more. And I might get a flight and then one beer. And, I, you know, the best beer that I liked out of that flight. Right. And that might be, that might be a night for me. So I'm not, because you're spending a little bit more money, but I'm not going out trying to get drunk. I'm, it's more of the experience of just drinking it and drinking something that I'd rather drink something that I enjoy and pay a little bit more than something that, you know, hey, I'm just going to pound and it's just something for me to drink. Um, I will say when I go out to breweries, a little bit less. granted, I've only been to one. I like the food that... Which brewery have you been to? Rivertown. Okay. Really good food there. I didn't drink anything, so I don't know what the beer is Did like. you go to the Lachland location or the one up in Monroe? The one in Monroe. Yeah. I didn't know there was a Lachland they, location. So that's, they started in Lachland and then oh. moved to Monroe last... Actually, they just passed their one-year anniversary up there. They've got barbecue mm. up, up there. Yeah, it's it was really good. Really good. Yeah. But yeah, so. they... Uh, yeah. They, they, Rivertown's good. It but that, that's my... I'd rather... You know, I feel like if you want to get drunk or if you want to get wasted or... or you know, binge drink all day. Go drink a Bud Light if you want to. And if you, and again, not judging anybody, but if you want to um, enjoy your experience, and I never chug a craft beer and things like that. There are some idiots that do, but it's more of the experience of hey, I'm just enjoying drinking this and I'm sipping on this and things like that. So that's why. That's I, I hope that's a good enough explanation for you. That is, and that, my friend, is how what we'll call a wrap. Follow David McCannon. He gave all his social networks out. Unless there's anything else you want to add. That's it. That's it. You can follow me. I'm, I am Juan Valley everywhere. And of course, go to the mothership, bluegrassmma.com for all the latest and greatest in local MMA throughout the Ohio Valley region. Until next week. She hides all the pain inside. Fans first. Fans first.